From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Today on the program, we're here with naturalist and science teacher Joe McGee to talk about the frogs of the state. With night starting to get a little warmer, you may have noticed a little more noise outside your window. The frogs are starting to sing, and we'll talk with Joe about what they're saying, and he'll answer any questions you have about our amphibious friends. Also, Dr. Major here, ready to take your pet questions. Join the conversation this morning with a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 or email the show animals at mpbonline.org. You're listening to Creature Comforts from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Today on the show, we'll visit with naturalist and science teacher Joe McGee. We're going to talk about the frogs in Mississippi. With night starting to get a little warmer, you may have noticed more noise outside your window. The frogs are starting to sing. We'll talk to Joe about what they might be saying And he'll also answer any other questions you have about our amphibious friends. Also, Dr. Major is here ready for some pet questions. To join the conversation, it's a phone call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. If you're listening to the show, can't get to a phone, you can always email us at animals at mpbonline.org. And I always like to remind you that Creature Comforts does air twice each week. If you miss the show on Thursday, it repeats Saturday mornings at 6. So good morning. Hope everyone is doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Uh, I guess we could start out by talking very briefly about, okay, first, I'm skipping ahead here. Let's talk about things going on at the museum. I've got a couple things, but um, sad news, and I think the three of us would like to dedicate our show today to Hallijo Ellis' memory. Um, Hallijo was a... Uh, gosh, a volunteer in all things wildlife around the state. She was a big garden club lady. Just passed her 90th birthday last week. And uh, she, uh, many of our listeners knew her. She started advocating for use of native plants and for attracting butterflies and bees to your gardens 40 years ago. Mm. She was kind of the forerunner of a whole lot of this, wasn't she? I knew she? her through the Native Plant Society. Yeah, Native Plant Society was a big thing for her. She, um, these, Since we opened the new museum, I mean, she was the president of the Museum Foundation when we opened the new museum and instrumental in helping get all of that started. And uh, she's been volunteering every Monday morning for these last 18 years mm. at the museum. And uh, we don't know how we're going to get along without her. All right. Anyway, Hallijo Ellis's memory. She's yes, a, I used to always great lady. chat with her when I was at the museum about what was blooming in her yard. <laughs> She'd ask me what I had blooming, you know, we'd just, yeah. just chit-chat yeah. about native plants. All right. Um, so also before we came on the air, we were talking about a story that's in the news. Uh, if you listen to Mississippi Edition that precedes us at 830, uh, they talked about it. But it is the idea that uh, or chronic wasting uh, disease has been found among 
at least one deer in the state. Is that right? Uh, Libby, you said you've got some basic information. What what can you tell yeah, us about that? Uh, a deer in Issaquina County was found with the disease. It's a, it's a terrible disease. There's information on the uh, Mississippi Department of Wildlife Fisheries and Parks. There's a, a press release there, and the Department of Health also has a press release. So listeners might want to read both of those, but it's... It's um we're gonna all have to get educated and decide what to do. And we were discussing the fact that uh, they are asking that people do not feed the deer, and so why is that? Anything that congregates the animals like that is makes it easier to share germs and spread disease. Anytime there's a disease outbreak, that's a good idea. Is don't whatever animal is involved, don't be attracting it to congregate or to feed them. Mm-hmm. All right, so this is an ongoing story. You'll be hearing about it not only here on our program uh, in the future, but uh, on our news programs as well. So it's something we'll definitely uh, keep an eye on. Today, though, we are visiting with Joe McGee and talk about frogs in Mississippi. Dr. Major is here ready for some pet questions, and we always like to hear your wildlife observations and experiences. So give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show as well, animals at mpbonline.org. So, Joe, thanks for being with us again this morning. Give us, uh, if you could, a reminder a little bit about your background. I most recently worked for the museum, the Museum of Natural Science, as an outreach educator. Mm-hmm. Traveled around mostly southeast Mississippi, where there are some good frogs, by the way, <laughs> and uh, presenting programs in schools uh, and other venues. Uh, programs on endangered species in that area, and also uh, neotropical birds, birds that migrate. Uh, they're not, well, there could be some here. Now, the Martin, purple martins are neotropical. They could, some of them could be back, but most of the neotropicals are in the tropics right now. So uh, how many different uh, species of frogs are, are common in, in Mississippi? That's an interesting question. <laughs> uh, and I'd rather than just give you a number, let me give you a little background on that. When Mr. Turcott, Mr. Bill Turcott, compile the uh, frog tape. It was a tape, then it's, it's been reissued as a CD. The little pamphlet that came with the book, with the tapes stated that there were 27 frog species in Mississippi. And on the tape were the sounds of 28 frogs. Twen- <laughs> well, no, uh, 20, 27 species and a subspecies. Uh-huh. Since... That, and that was in 1988. In the meantime, research indicated that that subspecies is actually a full-fledged species. It's the Mississippi gopher frog. It, on the tape, it's called the uh, a dusky crawfish frog, I believe. But it's now known to be a full-fledged species. So that made 28 species. Hmm. Also, in, since 1988, there's been a, another species um, added to our frog list, the uh, greenhouse frog. It's not native. It's native to Cuba and the Bahamas and some of the Caribbean islands. But it, and it was known to be in Florida, I think, even when his tape came out. Moved up into South Georgia, South Alabama, and then South Mississippi and Louisiana. It's in Jackson now. It's in the Belhaven area. So that made 29. <laughs> and there's one more, and I won't go into too much detail on that, but there's one of the frogs that calls this time of year is the upland chorus frog. I really love to hear the upland chorus frog. And it has a widespread range, but it was, in the last few years, it was discovered that one of the 
populations in this in the whole population, the entire population of upland chorus frogs was a separate species. It's the population that occurs in East Texas, East Oklahoma, uh, all over Louisiana and Arkansas, and in Western Mississippi, and that's where it's pertinent to us. And it's been called. It's now given the, been given the common name of Cajun chorus frog. So now we have thirty species, known species. So the answer is thirty. <laughs> so I went around the world to tell you, but anyway, thirty. We, yeah, thirty species. Well, at the same time, we we hope we haven't lost a couple. There's a couple that uh, nobody has documented in some in a few years. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we'll say thirty. Uh, you were mentioning the upland chorus frog, and I think that uh, Java, our producers, found the call for us. Good. For the okay. song. So that's uh, it's kind of a clicking sound. It almost. has the cadence of somebody running their thumb up a comb, mm-hmm. but not necessarily the sound. Well, you, some, you, you might have a comb that would actually sound that way, but that's the upland chorus frog. All right. And uh, the Cajun chorus frog, which he would not have, you know, there's no recordings of it available yet, would sound very much like that. Um, so is this the time of year when frog songs become more, we start hearing more of them? Yes. As a matter of fact, if you're in South Mississippi, some years when it's not too cold, you can even hear them in la- as early as late December. People hear them on the Christmas bird counts. But this year, as you know, January was pretty brutal, mm-hmm. at least in my neck of the woods. So... Uh, we really begin to hear the spring peepers. That's usually the first one we listen for and hear. Begin to hear weak choruses, or they were small choruses in late January, but just lately, I mean, there's been a symphony orchestra of, of uh, spring peepers. And if you go out to a, a wetland near you, a pond or a wetland near you, and really listen, then you can pick out the, the chorus frog, the upland chorus frog, and maybe even a leopard frog, they're calling this time of year, southern leopard frog. And maybe if you get really lucky, you might even hear a pickerel frog. Hmm. Those are the cool weather species. And so um, is this uh, a mating thing? Yes, that's what it's all about. It's the males calling, trying to attract a female. That's, that's what it's all about. And when uh, a male finds a female and they mate, then she lays eggs. And uh, this is the time of year. If you look, you may even see the eggs in the pond or in the wetland near a ditch near you, the depression's full of rainwater. Yeah. Uh, I think it was last week we were talking about owls, and the, we've learned that the, the call is a mating call, but it's also a, a territorial thing. Is that the same with a frog where he's saying? A bit, yes. It, it's a bit of a territorial thing. Uh, in fact, they're defining little territories in the water, a small area around them. But Mr. Turcott revealed that he could play this, uh, a recording of a bullfrog, and a, bu- a male bullfrog would respond to that and ended up in his lap, <laughs> came out of the pond and into his lap to attack the intruder. So, yes, it, uh, it, it's, we don't know as much about the territoriality of the frog calls as, as we do the bird calls, but, yeah. Yeah, they speculate that uh, with the frogs, a lot of times it's just saying, hey, we're over here, everybody get over here kind mm-hmm. of a thing. And you they know, organize the themselves into little, little yeah. trios and quartets mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, quintets, so to speak, uh, and also, some of them are, are really smart, I guess, or, or lazy. I don't know what, but there's not all the frogs call. Some oh, of them yeah. sneak in <laughs> while one is all engaged. And it takes a lot of energy for a frog to call. And so, th- as an energy saving technique, some of them sneak in and will seize a female 
uh, right <laughs> under the nose of another frog. So it's sort of a little frog painting place going on. Some of them are wasting their time singing, and others are getting down to business. That's pretty, yeah. that's pretty low down there, I'll yeah. have to say. <laughs> Let's uh, take a quick break. When we get back, Kathleen's on the line from Osaka. We'll get to her call. And we've got time and space for your call as well. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 We'll be back with more after this. For the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. We're visiting today with naturalist and science teacher Joe McGee, uh, talking about the frogs in Mississippi. If you have a question or a comment, you can join us at one eight seven seven MPB ring. Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Off to the phones we go. Kathleen is on the line from Osaka. Good morning, Kathleen. Well, good morning, guys. We are very much into the froggy uh, season. Instead of uh, spring, autumn, and fall, we've got a whole frog season going on. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, I wanted to ask, does he have uh, some place where we can get a picture or a book of the list of the frogs? And second question is, if buzzards eat the remains of these uh, animals that are infected with any such thing like that, do they spread it, or is there anything we have to be concerned about there? And I'll go ahead and listen to you all off the air today, because I'm barely talking with uh, my frog in my throat. Okay. All right, Kathleen, thanks for the call. Uh, Joe, let's take the first one first. Uh, a field guide or something, if, if someone wanted to maybe learn more about frogs and what they look like and help try to identify them, where would you send yes, them? Yes, I, I actually brought a couple of books with me. She might want to get the Peterson Field Guide to uh, Reptiles and Amphibians. This is not the most recent edition, but uh, that's a good place to start. Peterson Field Guide. If you're familiar with the bird Peterson Guide, mm-hmm. this is similar to that. Okay. And then a really good book, I, this is what I recommend for young people, but I like it, and I'm an adult, uh, Frogs and Toads of the Southeast. Okay. It's uh, published by University of Georgia Press. It's by uh, Mike Dorcas and Whit Gibbons. has fantastic photographs. I mean, it's worth the price just for the photographs. Good conservation um, message all the way through. There's a, you know, they try to instill a conservation ethic uh, for young people. So that's, and she mentioned a list of frogs. There is a list of frogs for every state in the southeast in the back of this book. And when they call. All right. And and the songs are online. Right. You can Mm -hmm. get the songs online. You can, you can order a disc if you don't want to just listen depends on i guess what you want to do with your computer but i've got them on my phone you can do that all right uh and then the question was uh if a buzzard were to eat a deer infected with the chronic wasting disease uh what would what, what would happen there so dr major what can you tell us about that right i think no one knows uh but i would say that probably it's not an issue with the vultures or buzzards uh they 
as far as them being able to spread it, I would think not, just based on their digestive system and their ability to consume just about anything uh, without harming them. Yeah, I but you think what, what it is they eat on a normal basis, that right. you would think that their, their right. system might be able to handle that. I uh, do want to remind you of a programming note coming up after our show at 10 a.m., uh, the president will address the nation today about the tragic shooting uh, that took place yesterday in Parkland, Florida, there at the high school. So uh, that's at 10 a.m. this morning, a uh, coverage of uh, President Trump's uh, remarks uh, coming up right after our program. Back to the phone lines we go. We're going to Jackson. Judy has called in today. Good morning, Judy. I'm not sure I'm still connected to you. Go ahead. Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. There has been a tremendous buzzard infestation on Lakeland Drive near the university. Um, it's now the University Fitness Center. It was the courthouse. Mm-hmm. And I was told that the Mississippi Department of Wildlife and Fisheries was taking care of the problem. And I don't see as many buzzards there now. It's it's actually being worked on you yeah, about wildlife services from the Extension Service and Mississippi Wildlife Fisheries and Parks, and we're going to have a show about it in okay. March when they when they know a little bit more about it all. Um, Chris Godwin has already said she'll come on the show and talk a little bit about the things when things go wrong with buzzard roosts. So we'll we'll address that. Yeah, are, is it affect is it impacting your home, Judy? No, no, but it certainly is affecting the um, courthouse yes. and the area around there tremendously. Yeah, yeah they're but big, strong I, birds, yeah. I think we're down to about two birds left the last time I went, and someone just said, well, Department of Wildlife and Fisheries is shooting them. I just wondered if that's the way you take care of it. Um, Chris will tell us about that, I guess, when... Okay. When she comes on. Yeah, so yeah. we'll uh, we'll talk about that next month on uh, Creature Comforts. So I want to stay tuned for that. Uh, I, I find them fascinating to see them because you're right; they're just very they're very large birds. And when you drive by and they're on the side of the road there, you do get a good look at them. And yeah, um, yeah, they're yeah. important birds in the ecosystem. Right. We don't we, we need them, but you know, it's just <laughs> remember, always a challenge to live close yeah. with them. But remember, they are a protected species. They are, and, yes. And it's also. They will tend, and this is my observation over the years, they will tend to congregate in some strange places sometimes. Uh, I've seen them on uh, church before, uh, you know, or in the trees around the church, which is kind of makes you wonder what's going on. But (laughs) they do that, and if you notice the uh, billboards on close to the stack, there's a regular group that stays there. I don't think they're harming anything, but uh, they... Uh, stay on those uh, billboards in several of the places. You know, they uh, perform a very useful task yeah. of getting the dead things off the road, I, and I bet they've got a lot of food sources right on there. I a, a busy road, and I can count on about two dead possums per month. <laughs> and if I don't remove the possums, then I'll have a dead vulture. <laughs> oh, really? Because one, yeah, one time I had a... An injured turkey vulture was going to get it rehabilitated, take it over here to the rehabilitators, and it died before I could do that. But anyway, so I now routinely remove the possums from the road and put them in the hayfield behind my house, and the vultures come and eat them. I'm revealing this to everyone. I try not to let anybody see me do this. It's such a but it, you know, otherwise I've got to look at a dead right. possum all day. And you have a nice big long handled shovel. I, think. I do. And <laughs> yes, I, I try not to look at. It. I'm, I'm sort actually I'm sort of squeamish about things like that, but I. 
I don't want to see a dead vulture too. You know, you see, you have the whole food chain right there in one spot in the road. If I don't do something about it, right. so <laughs> you're doing good. Uh, if it's a raccoon, I just move it to. The, I don't want to fool with those. They could have something. I just scrape them off the road and yeah. leave them Please, on the shoulder. Yeah. All right. Uh, we, Enough of that. <laughs> yeah. We've got Reggie on the line, who's on the road this morning. Good morning, Reggie. Go ahead. Good morning. Uh, I'm just traveling through Batesville on my way to North uh, Carolina. I'm from Arkansas, and I was curious as to how long it takes once a, a, a bullfrog, which is a large frog, changes from a tadpole to a frog, and then how long it takes for that frog to mature to a, a seven or eight-inch frog. It can take two years for the tadpole to develop. These large frogs sometimes take two years. It depends on the weather to a certain extent. If we have a really cold winter, that slows them down, and it could take two years. I'm not sure how long it takes the the froglet to become a mature frog. I I don't know that, but uh, the tadpole can be a tadpole for a year or even two years. All right, uh, Reggie, thanks for your call. Glad you're listening to us as you work your way through the, uh, the state. Uh, speaking of that, that uh, what is the size range? I imagine there are some frogs like the bullfrog that are large, but there are also some frogs I, I think that are quite small. Yes, our um, cricket frog, I believe, is the smallest when they're less than an inch long, about three quarters of an inch long. Uh, I'm sort of guessing there, but I think that's correct. And our largest frog is the bull, American bullfrog, uh, six or seven inches long even eight inches they're huge but we've got a there's a close competitor in size with the bullfrog and it's one called a river frog it's not well known and it's uh it's only found way down in south mississippi in fact i'm not sure anybody has documented that one in several years but they get almost as large as bullfrogs so that's the range the uh the common toads and tree frogs are you know two to three inches long and a little over three inches long all right did you look up how this says that um, a, a large, mature bullfrog can be as old as 15 years old. Oh, all right. So there. That's a lot of hopping. It may take a while uh, to get a great big frog. I think, but that's not as, some frogs live even longer than really? that. Uh, I think the gopher frog, if, they, if everything goes well for them, can live to be 30 years. We've got some open phone lines on Creature Comforts. If you'd like to join in this morning, we're talking with our guest Joe McGee about the frogs of Mississippi. Dr. Major here, ready if you have a pet question. And we always like to hear your brushes with wildlife, any experiences that you have when you've been out and about in the state of Mississippi. As I said, phone lines open at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 7464. You can always email the show. It's animals at mpbonline.org. You, you owed. Oh, I thought. yes. Yeah, I've just got another notice for that I was supposed to announce. Okay. Time for one more announcement. Yeah. Um, Kathy Shropshire is going to be performing the Fanny Cook uh, presentation where she portrays Fanny Cook in Natchez this weekend at Rolling River Bistro. There are two preset menus. It's at noon, so you can buy it. This is like, you know, the dinner in a movie, but it's dinner in a reincarnation of, <laughs> of Fanny Cook. And um, Kathy will perform, and then the biographies of Ms. Cook will be on sale through Turning Pages Bookstore. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're interested in going, you make your reservations at Rolling River Bistro. All right. Very good. 
Um, so, Joe, we're mentioning that uh, this time of year there are some frogs uh, that are starting to uh, to uh, make their songs heard. Uh, wh- where do you go to hear them? I mean, can could be in your house or is it somewhere sometimes, in your... Yes, it, depending on where you live. If you live in a rural area or even a suburban area, sometimes you can just step outside and if you listen, you'll hear a high-pitched chorus. This is the the orchestra of spring peepers. And uh, if you get closer, it, they can be deafening, actually. On, on a night like tonight, might be that way. Sometimes they really get cranked up, and if you stand really close to it, it can almost be deafening. But if you listen carefully, you can he- hear and cup your ears, your hands behind your ears, like the, the so-called deer's ears. You can hear that the spring peepers, there's actually two or three songs that they're singing. And then if you listen carefully, you'll hear the upland chorus frogs, uh, if they're there, they can be masked by the uh, overwhelming sound of the peepers. And then in the lower registers, you'll hear the uh, southern leopard frogs. The, the, the spring peepers, the upland chorus frog, and the southern leopard frog are the co- uh, common ones this time of year. Uh, we need to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll continue our discussion. We're talking uh, with Joe McGee today about frogs in Mississippi. Also, uh, ready to take some pet questions for Dr. Major. The phone number to call to join the conversation is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Back with more after this. Java's got more of a song. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. We're visiting today with naturalist and science teacher Joe McGee as we talk about the frogs in Mississippi. Also, Dr. Major is ready to take some pet questions. And if you have a brush with wildlife, any wildlife experience or questions that you have for us, please feel free to call in. Got some open phone lines at one eight seven seven. MPB ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So, Joe, before the break, we were talking uh, a little bit about uh, where you would go to hear the frog uh, songs, and I know that uh, in the park in Pearl, I talk frequently about walking there, and it's got a nice uh, pond there. But I hear the frogs, but it's to me, it's hard to figure out exactly where they're coming from. So, is camouflage part of their game? They're ventriloquists, <laughs> is what they are. Yeah, that's. Uh... Uh, it can be very difficult, especially on those uh, chorus frogs. I've been, been, you know, apparently within inches of one trying to see it, 
and couldn't. I mean, did they throw their voice or something? Uh, are you hearing spring peepers in at Pearl? I'm I'm trying to remember. I, I don't know that I, I. It's one of those where I hear it, but I guess I'm not paying close yeah, enough yeah, attention yeah. to it. This is part of the going. background sound. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could get him to play the spring peepers again. Okay. Uh, Job, if you could cue that up for us and let us know when it's ready. In the meantime, we will head back to the phone lines. We start again in Mobile. Mikey is on the line. Good morning, Mikey. Hey, good morning. Uh, thank you again for such an excellent program, all of you. Um, uh, uh, okay, Toads first, uh, but I do have a, a question for Dr. Troy if there's going to be time. Um, uh, toads, I have had wonderful relationships with Toads, and they seem to live for a long time in the same areas. Um, but some of them I have seen uh, get Ooh, very fat, shall I say, fat-looking, fat-looking, gelatinous, and digging down. And uh, then later I observed that there were possibly some tadpoles in some areas. And But the toad, the original toad, was very, very thin overnight. And then later I have found other toads that uh, in, in my wooded, areas that were frankly petrified uh, they uh, were dry desiccated petrified um, uh, to the extent that you could pick them up and use them like animation um, can you help me out in understanding that doc <laughs> well well the frogs that are plump they can be plump for two or three reasons uh, it may be a pregnant female she may be getting ready to lay eggs, and they they will definitely be plump. Also, they eat a lot of insects, and uh, that can make them plump when they're well fed. Uh, I don't know about the petrified. I I know this this is something I run into. In the summertime, squirrel tree frogs get in between the screen, my window screens, and the windows, and sometimes I don't find them, and they die. I find you know when I see them, it's too late. In fact, sometimes it's just the skeleton. If I have perfect squirrel tree frog skeletons at home that I have found in the window, uh, I don't. Maybe Doctor Major can uh, shed some light on the petrified toads. I don't know. It's a good question, and I've I have seen you know that, and they just kind of dry up, and I won't say they're petrified, but uh, desiccated, desiccated more than more than that, and for some reason or another, they did die. But uh, I I'm not sure how to address that. All right, Mikey, did you have a pet question? Yes, sir. I have another question for Dr. Troy um, regarding my my dearly, oh, my most dearly loved um, half Chihuahua Maltese. Um, uh, 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 he's been coughing lately. He woke me up at 530 uh, a couple of days ago, and, and uh, there seems to be something wrong. I can't determine what it is. Um, I'm wondering... Is the coughing thing a sign of heartworms? You know, certainly it could be. Uh, usually the coughing is fairly severe with heartworms, and I won't say continuous, but a lot of times upon exercise uh, it could be exacerbated. The other thing could be just a simple pharyngitis, sore throat. Uh, small dogs especially seem to have that. They do have tonsils, and they can be inflamed and can cause some coughing. So if your dog licks excessively, I can see how that might uh, contribute to, to the coughing, but my suggestion, um, 
Mikey, is to get in to see your vet and see what they have to say. Okay. All right, Mikey, thanks for the call. Let's move on. Next, we will talk to Bill in Gulfport. Good morning, Bill. You're on the air with us. Well, good morning. Thank you. Sure. Go ahead. Uh, um, we're down here for the for the winter from Michigan, and our grandkids come down on their spring break, and they love to go out in the ponds and the eddies and all these little places and chase frogs. Are there any that we should have any concern about? Not if they wash their hands. They, no, they're not. They're they're not dangerous. Uh, anytime okay. you handle any animal, you should wash yep. your hands. In fact, we should wash our hands anyway, what with the flu and, <laughs> yeah. and so forth yeah. going around. No, I would say don't worry about it. Now, toads do have a uh, bufotoxin that I, Dr. Major making shed some light on this that affects cats and dogs that happen to catch them. I've never had that happen. No. I've had lots of dogs and cats. Usually it's only a one-time event. Uh, they learn that, to uh, leave hey, this is best to leave alone. But it is a toxin, but uh, unless somebody's licking the frog, uh, that sort of thing, I don't think you're going to get into that situation. One question I have for you, though, do we have the cane toad uh, in in Mississippi? Not that I'm aware of. I don't think so. Right. I, I, I don't think so. Now, the we, cane, yeah, the, I've not heard of any now, The cane toad can be very uh, toxic to a dog or other animal that might eat it or get it, and that can be an issue. I just thought I would. I thought about it earlier yeah. to ask you if we yeah. had any cane. Toads. I don't think so. It has been introduced into Australia and to the cane fields to control insects and so forth. And it was a big mistake. It's now decimating some of their marsupials that you know catch them and take one bite and die. Right. <laughs> All right, uh, Bill. Thanks for your call. Hope uh, that you enjoy your visit uh, each year to Mississippi, and uh, should let those grandkids uh, catch as many frogs as they want. Shouldn't be a problem. Well, let's move on. Next, we've got uh, Joanna in Jackson. You're on the air with us, so go ahead, please. Hey, I'd like to ask one quick question. In my backyard, I have found this little frog. At first, I thought it was a toad, and then I realized it was a frog because it was too slender. It lives up under boards where it's moist, and so I was trying to move the board, but I put it back down this past summer to leave it because I I just didn't want to disturb it. Can you tell me what it is and how I could set up a little environment away from the board I wanted to move or uh now you live in Jackson right uh-huh what do you mind if I ask you what part of Jackson Fondren you may have I, I, I may come see you you may no I'm kidding you may very well have the greenhouse frog I'm not sure that's a possibility did you notice the color of the eyes and the I didn't notice the eyes but it's like a brown dark brown color that's why at first i thought it was a baby toad but it's it's elongated i bet and you. i found it one time before and it gets down if you stack lumber if there's a moist place uh-huh. it was down the same area where there are flat worms under the board and that and like i said i left the board all year uh till this spring but i didn't want to mess it up you want to move the board now though I don't, I don't have to move it now. I was just thinking if maybe if I got some oak logs or something and put over there, maybe it would find its way over there. There you go, or a lot of leaves. I, it sounds like you have found a uh, greenhouse frog. You could go online and see a picture of it uh-huh. or and check the eye color. Okay. I'm and uh, if you could listen for it, they have a, it's a very soft sound. It's like a little bird chirping. You might. Is, is your neighborhood pretty quiet? Uh, uh, yeah, sometimes at night we hear something that sounds like a bird chirping, but we thought it was those little geckos. The evidence is piling up that you've got greenhouse frogs, I, I think. Now, I could be wrong. I mean, anybody can be wrong. There's another pot. If you lived out in the country somewhere, I might think you were seeing a narrow toad, but it, I, I believe she's got 
the greenhouse frog. That it's native of Cuba and Bahamas and the Caribbean and so forth. Oh, you're kidding. So uh, it's an introduced species, but so far as we know, it's not a problem. But it came up in uh, different kind of right. decorative plants, right? Yes, and the interesting thing about this frog is you, all of our frogs, native Mississippi frogs, lay eggs and they hatch into a tadpole. In this case, the eggs are laid in soil. And what the do tad- eggs look like? Uh, just a little round. Are uh, they clear? Like they're almost like little clear spears. To start with, yeah, and then the the tadpole develops in the in the egg. It's, their eggs are not in the water. This is, I believe, the only frog we have in the state that in which the eggs uh, hatch on land. So you think you may have found some of the eggs, Joanne? You think you might have seen the eggs? Well, I've I found a little some pals, and they're like little tiny spears, and they're like almost clear, like translucent. I didn't know what they were. I, I left them alone. I didn't know. Larger. Um, how, 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 what's the diameter of these spheres? Uh, they're they're not very big. They're a little bit. They're bigger than a big BB. They're like a, maybe a real small pea, I guess. English <laughs> pea, maybe a real small English pea. That almost does it. Uh, I think I think that's the eggs of okay, the Okay, Joe's coming frog. over after the show <laughs> uh, to check out your frog. Well, I found this little frog twice at different times. And one time I moved it over under a bunch of wood next to a little magnolia tree I had. But I found one this past year. Like I said, I did. I left it. And I left the board there. I didn't walk on it. I just left him alone. He, he, you, you may have more than one. Uh, and they like to get under leaves and, and mulch and that sort of thing. So, so if you, I do something like that close to edge, it'll kind of carry itself over there and yeah. be in a safer place than under this board. Yeah, you could put some yeah put some mulch down or some leaves or something something more attractive perhaps. And sounds like you've got greenhouse frogs. All right, take a picture and send to us there if you, you go. get a chance. Take a picture We're on your phone. We are technically unavailable. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know if we would manage it or not. We'll give it a shot. I get my get my husband if we find it and see if he can do it. Okay. All right, great. What you tell me to look at the eyes. What color would they be? Red. Red, okay. All right, Joanna, thanks for the call. Interesting phone call. Thanks for calling in this morning. Let's stay on the phone lines. Next, we've got Sue in Beaumont. Good morning, Sue. Good morning. Uh, I live, my house is situated between a branch on one side and a creek on the other, and the frogs last night just sounded joyous out there. <laughs> I enjoy listening to them, but I haven't heard a bullfrog in years, and I had read that bullfrogs were becoming extinct. Is that true or, or not? No, they, they're doing okay. Uh, it's too early in the year for bullfrogs. They are a warm season frog. The frogs that are calling now, of course, you're down there in Beaumont. You're getting on down in South Mississippi. Uh, but the frogs we hear now are what we call the cool weather breeders, the pick, pickerel frogs, the uh, southern leopard frogs, spring peepers, coarse frogs. So listen for the bullfrogs in late March in your area. Maybe even this year, if it continues to warm up, you might even hear them in mid-March. Certainly in April, they'll start calling. All right. But they're not, uh, bullfrogs are not endangered. Okay. Sue, thanks for your call. Let's move on next. We've got uh, Kay in Memphis. Good morning, Kay. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Go ahead. Um, I, I first have a little story about an encounter with wildlife, and then I need to talk to the doctor. Okay. Um, I found on the floor one once upon a time where something had been eating on some potatoes or something. Didn't think too much about it. Two or three nights later, I was in here and I turned around and I looked and there was a great big opossum on the floor. <laughs> uh, chowing down on some cat food. So I figured, okay, you know, I grew up in the country, so I'm 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 an old wildlife gal. So I thought, okay, well, you know, you have a right to eat too, so. The next night it came in and it ate again. And the cat 
and then it disappeared. And I thought I had it fixed where it couldn't get in, but it, was, it could get in. And then I got concerned about it. In fact, even yesterday, an, an ex-neighbor asked me if I had seen my opossum lately. I said, no, I haven't. And bless Pat, last night I was sitting here with my back to the kitchen counter, and I thought it was a kitty cat on the counter. I said, I I turned around, there was my big opossum up on the kitchen counter. <laughs> okay. So I have a pet opossum around here. It doesn't bother me a bit. But anyway, okay. that's just my encounter with wildlife because I'm smack dab in the middle of the, not, not in town, I'm in the suburbs of Memphis, but anyway. Okay, now I need to talk to the doctor. Okay. okay. Okay, I have a kitten. I'm well. I have two of a litter, um, and one is growing off normally, and the other one is a midget. She has some type of growth problem because she just she is skinny, skin and bones, and she's only about a third the size of her sister. And uh, she eats fine. She plays. She's active. But she just is not growing at all. So I, I, it's it's not a dietary thing. It must be something that she has inherited or, or whatever. Do you have any idea what's wrong with it? You know, I, I tell you, I know I, I know you need to take her to your desk. I don't have transportation right, right. now, and I right. don't have money until the first next month. So I, I understand. I understand that. One of the things that would concern me about this cat would be that there was something that is a uh, birth defect, uh, possibly a liver or kidney problem. Uh, something is causing her, if she's uh, not in good flesh, in other words, if she's very skinny and she's not uh, gaining weight, there is something probably pretty seriously wrong. Uh, to tell you more than that, it would be difficult. Uh, does she throw up or have diarrhea? No, no, and okay. she eats fine. Okay, but she's just not gaining weight and she is... Bony, is that correct? The first thing I know is she's yeah. under the cover with me. So. Okay. Well, she, you do, and, and I know you think this is a default answer, but you do need to get her in when you can to yeah, a vet and have someone look at her if you could. Okay? Yeah, well, I, so I, I'm, I, I'm telling you this because I, I hear stories about the trouble of getting old, old folks to give up the keys. I not only said, here are the keys, I said, here's the car. I sold my car. Okay. I've been driving since 1953, so you well, can figure I'm up and I'm 87. So. Well, you take care, and I hope you can find out what's wrong with this kitten. You take care, and thank you. All right. Always good to hear from you, Kay. Uh, let's take one final break. When we get back, we've got Lee, our friend from Wilkinson County, on the line. And also, we've got room for your question as well. Call us to join the program at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. Back with more after this. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. 
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. And Dr. Troy Major is veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Our guest today is naturalist and science teacher Joe McGee, who's here to help us understand more about the frogs in Mississippi. A couple of minutes left in the show and still time to work in a phone call if you'd like at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 We've got uh, Lee from Wilkinson County on the line. Good morning, Lee. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Good morning. I wanted to ask the, um, I call him the frog doctor this morning, two questions, and then I'll hang up. One is, in southwest Mississippi here, we have a large amount of toads and tree frogs, but I wanted to know about predation. We have a large amount of feral cats. They have cows, they have dogs, and they have a lot of hawks. What effect does predation have on the number of frogs that we have in the area, and also with the frogs that we do have in the area, we have a lot of these geckos, and early in the morning and late in the afternoon, you see the frogs come out. What is them with the competition with the frogs and the geckos for the food supply, the insects, variable? All right. I'm gone. Okay, Lee. Okay. Those are good questions. Uh, frogs and toads are predators themselves of insects and even other animals, but they are also prey for a number of species. It's always been that way. That's the way they evolve. They can take the predation, assuming that they, they have plenty of habitat to, to be predated in. Uh, there's one snake that actually feeds on toads exclusively, the hognose snake. That's all it eats. But frogs and toads, their their skin is glandular. They secrete uh, well, in the case of toads, bufotoxin and other secretions that help prevent them from being eaten by a lot of things. I don't think you have to worry too much about dogs and cats eating frogs and toads maybe one time, and then, according to Dr. Major, they learn their lesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think you have to worry about them being prey items. Uh, birds, uh, wading birds will eat frogs and toads and salamanders in the water. You know, the herons and the egrets? But great blue. Great blue herons, yeah. yeah. Uh, the great egrets. But I don't think they're impacting the population at all. Uh, hawks will catch them if they get a chance. I think the main bird predators are these wading birds, the egrets and herons. Uh, am I missing and some? That, now, when they're small, <clears throat> lots of things eat them. Yes. The ducks will eat them. Fish will certainly and eat them. And they lead them. each other. Yes, the larger bullfrogs will eat yeah. smaller frogs. So once the, once something gets big like a bullfrog, I don't think there are a lot of things that can eat it except right. maybe a and great blue heron. But when they're small and they're tadpoles, yeah. then uh, they're heavily predated and, on. An adult bullfrog yeah. is not going to be preyed so upon by many things. Fish and birds. There are even bats that sometimes eat Yeah, and, and, of course, then I forget. Raccoons will eat frogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's safety in numbers. Some of the frogs lay hundreds of eggs. And most of those do hatch into little tadpoles, and most of those tadpoles probably get eaten before they mature into a frog. So I don't think predation is a problem for uh, – it's a natural occurrence. I don't think it's a problem for the frogs and toads. The other question had to do with the geckos. The geckos – there's an introduced species. Those are the Mediterranean geckos that you're talking about, I'm pretty sure. 
And they feed on insects. They congregate around windows at night to feed on insects that are attracted to the lights. And the tree frogs do the same thing. They could be competing with each other. I don't think it's a serious issue, uh, but I don't have any. I don't have you know evidence to prove that. I haven't done a study of that. Uh, I kind of like the geckos. <laughs> Uh, yeah, now I think the geckos—they've kind—they've of, got the roaches and those kind of things that are in dark, secluded spots that the frogs are probably yeah. not going to go to. They're all beneficial to us in, in eating those insects. The frogs, the toads would sit on the ground under a lamp post or under a security light, just gobbling up the insects that fly in at night. Tree frogs get on the screens and the window panes, and the geckos are sort of up in the corners, uh, around, but they mainly come out at night, right? The geckos. That's. I, I don't kind have geckos in my I've house. Yeah. I've, I've had them before. But they're I, over in East Mississippi. I saw a dead one. Somebody had stepped on one on the sidewalk in Meridian one time. I happened to see it. So um, I, I like to learn something new every day. And so Joe, let me make sure I'm saying this right, Anoran? Anoran. Anoran, okay. That's the scientific term for frogs and toads. Okay. It means the amphibians without tails. All right. When they're adults. And uh, we've got a couple minutes left here, so a reminder of the ones that we're liable to hear out and about this time of year is the, the spring peeper. For sure. if You you can hardly miss it. And if you listen carefully down in the lower registers, you'll hear the southern leopard frogs chuckling away. If you really get lucky, you might hear a pickerel frog. And then up in the upper registers, if you listen carefully, you should be able to hear the uh, upland chorus frog, the one that sounds like you're running your finger up a comb. Mm-hmm. I always really like to hear that. And you really need to get with it. You know, things happen fast in Mississippi. Spring will arrive like gangbusters, and it'll soon be too late to hear those this year. Because uh, when it gets hot, uh, they just, the breeding season is over for them. And you have a whole new uh, cast of characters to come on the scene. And start listening for cricket frogs now, and they kind of sound like two rocks yes, striking and, each other. And Dr. Majors mentioned that he may have heard cricket frogs. I'll be listening. Is that what you heard? There we go. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm a little surprised. Cricket frogs in February, I'm, I'm learning something. <laughs> uh, All right. And uh, if you would remind us, you brought two good uh, frog books in with you, so could you remind us there as we yes, go? Yes, the Peterson Field Guide to Reptiles and Amphibians uh, of Eastern and Central North America. And there, this is not the most recent edition that I'm holding in my hand, but uh, it's by the same authors. Uh, professional herpetologists have their... Uh, complaints about the book but you know it's i think it's a good book okay uh, for instance they don't say much about the gulf coast uh box turtle okay. and then uh frogs and toads of the southeast okay. published by the university of georgia press all right great for young people very good yeah, that's, that's going to wrap us up for today creature comforts is a production of mississippi public broadcasting think radio funding provided in part by wildlife mississippi a statewide organization celebrating more than 20 years of conserving Mississippi's lands, waters, and wildlife, and from contributions from listeners like you. Our show was produced today by Java Chapman, and our call screener was Liz Gill. So for Libby Hartfield, Dr. Troy Major, and our guest Joe McGee, I'm Kevin Farrell. Up next at 10, it's special coverage of the President's address to the, U- the, the nation about the tragic shooting in Parkland, Florida yesterday. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts, heard only on MPB Think Radio.